I wonder if uh, Brother Wheeler got COVID from us. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah, we have, yeah they, they had a problem going up there. They all had problems. Take your Bibles. Go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 again. Uh, Father, thank you for your blessings and letting us come to church tonight. Lord, do have a special request tonight for Angie Miller. Uh, Lord, that you just touch her body. and uh, Lord, she's got to go in for surgery in the morning. Lord, but that uh, young lady, Lord, she's been through so much stuff in her life. And this is just one more thing on top of it. Lord, I just pray again that you'd be close to her. And Lord, that you'd uh, continue to pray that you'd just touch her body and heal it up. Uh, Lord, uh, she used to play the piano for you. And Lord, uh, it's just like one thing after another has been taken out of her life life that, uh, that she used to serve you. Uh, but Lord, sometimes that's what we need is to get down to where it's just you and us. And again, Lord, thank you for letting us come to church tonight. Do ask you to bless the service and Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Every, uh, amen. I like that song, Like a River Glorious. Uh, that's, that's a great song when you sit there and look at it. Uh, you got to get to the place in life where you just, it's just the Lord. That's all it is. It's the Lord, nothing else. And and this world will put so much stuff in your mind. So anyways, go to First uh, Thessalonians. Uh, I was there last week. Uh, I could be there for another month. I'm telling you what, there's a lot of stuff in that passage. Uh, go down to verse 15. Uh, go up 16. Rejoice evermore. That's a good one. Well, it's a hard time to rejoice. I had uh, brother, uh, brother Joe Harris call today, and he, he, was, uh, he got COVID, got tested COVID. Uh, and he was saying they had to stick the thing up his nose. He didn't like that. I don't blame him. I don't like that either. Uh, but it's just you got to rejoice. Somewhere you got to rejoice. It says rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing and everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophecy. Prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast all. Uh, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearances of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole Spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you again for just giving us a Bible that we could read. Lord, what a blessing that is. Uh, Lord, bless the service tonight. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to try to keep it short because we need to clean up and get, get some stuff moved for the wedding. Robin is about going crazy. Uh, she is going to go insane. And uh, she hasn't yet, but she will. She'll break down here in a little bit. And, and if she yells at you and screams at you, uh, that's what Beth would do. So if she does that, I'm just saying that's what... Beth would lose it. Yeah. <laughs> and Beth says that Robin will do that. So we'll see. Robin is, she works out at Chick-fil-A and, and she knows how to deal with people. So, uh, but anyways, we need to get some stuff out there. Do we still need the, the warming thing out? What do you want to do? Do you want the warmer out? I don't know. Well, you know what would be good? I know this is part of the, not part of the message, but... If you thought about that while everybody is sitting here, I could say, hey, this is what we're going to do tonight, and I could, we could get it done. So we don't have to worry about it tomorrow or the next day. But just think about that. Okay, anyways, first, first Thessalonians 15. I like to look at verse 22. 22 is, you know, it sits there and there's a, some verses in there and says, pray without ceasing. And so many people want, want that privilege. That's a privilege. To me, it's a privilege to pray and to get a hold of God. Uh, I mean, it's a privilege to be able to, if somebody asks you to pray, that you could get down and pray in a second for them or with them. Uh, praying, praying isn't just uh, saying words. It is actually communing with the Lord. And when you start doing that, uh, when you get back to the tabernacle in the Old Testament, uh, when Moses walked in that tabernacle, they said a priest could walk into the Holy of Holies once a year. 
and they'd tie a rope to him. And if he did something wrong and all those little bells and pomegranates and everything along the bottom, but when he had all those bells, they would tinkle all over the place. And when he quit tinkling, uh, they drug him out. And I, I, I've never seen a record of anybody ever being drug out, but that's exactly what happened. They'd get drug out. Now, God requires, he says, be ye holy for I'm holy. He requires us to be holy. And so many times in life, brethren, I think we, we stop and we don't think that God requires holiness. He just requires holiness. I got issues. I know I got issues. You can, I tell you what, as you move, take, go over to uh, 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 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's rough. Abstain. I'm going to look at the verse, abstain from all appearances of evil. There's three words there I like. I like abstain, appearances, and evil. And the Bible is sitting there. Paul's telling you that if you ever want to have a, a walk with Jesus Christ, if you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you something. Uh, this is a true saying Paul's talking. Uh, if you, have you ever realized that when Paul was at the end of his ministry, he was by himself, pretty much in a prison with Luke? Only Luke is with me. The greatest Christian that ever existed, 14 New Testament books written by him. He's in a prison in Rome getting ready to get his head cut off. When Jesus Christ died, everybody rejected him and, and left him, and he went to the cross by himself. Uh, the closer you get to Jesus Christ, I think the closer you get to the Lord, the more isolated you're going to become because the world's just not going to be able to handle what you have to say. They can't handle what this book has to say. I like what this book has to say. I've always liked what this book has I don't like doing it. I have issues doing it, but I definitely like the book. Uh, he says right here, he says, this is a true saying. So it's a positive saying, true. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given hospitality, apt to teach. Everybody goes through a couple of these things, and some of these people out here hit these things, and, and they'll stop and say, oh, right there, the husband of one wife. They've missed the whole point. Uh, not given to wine, nor striker, nor greedy, a filthy lugar, but patient, not a brawler, not, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how then shall he take care of the church of God? You know what, you know what this is you're reading here? It's perception that other people have of a bishop. The bishop, he tells you, you have to do these things. You should do these things. Why? Because people are going to look at you and they're going to perceive that they're going, you should be a certain way. Number two, not a novice, verse six, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation. You don't do it because you're something special. You do it because you're abstaining from all appearances of evil. And you know, the closer you get to the Lord, the more you're, he's asking you to abstain, abstain, abstain abstain. Why? So you can reach people. Moreover, let's look at this, uh, verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Likewise, the next layer down, deacons. Uh, likewise, must a deacon be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine. He can have a little. Uh, I guess he can be a little drunk. Uh, not greedy, a filthy lucre. Uh, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And, and let these also first be proved and, th and let them, so you're going to be looking at them. And then you get down to the very bottom of that thing. It says, let, verse 12 says, let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon will purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These things write I unto, unto thee, 
hoping to come to you shortly. So Paul's sitting there talking, same, same man who wrote over here, abstain from all appearances of evil. He says, hey, a bishop, you need to have this up here. You need to do this up here. Not because you're doing this and putting the robe on and all this other, because people are looking at you and you need, you need to reach them and you need to get everything out of the way that's going to hinder them from getting a hold of God, getting a hold of the Lord. You know what's wrong with our churches today? <laughs> First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter, Second Corinthians chapter 2. Is it 2 Corinthians? No, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Well, I mean, this is, you, you, got a, you got a loaded book here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, excuse me, excuse me. This know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. Does anybody ever think we're in the last days yet? Does anybody think we're in perilous times? I think it'd get a lot worse than it is now. Uh, it, it could get a whole lot worse. Uh, I'm still pretty happy. Uh, I'm still get, I'm still excited, man. I mean, things are happening. I took the I took the van over to the house because I don't want somebody to steal the catalytic converter before y'all take off next week. Uh, I, I know if I let it sit out there for another week, we can have somebody will steal it, and then we'll start it up next week. And, I'll go, and then I, I said, no, I'm gonna just take it over to the house, take care of everything that needs to be taken care of over there. Let it sit there. If somebody steals it over there. I don't know what to do at that point. This no also in the last days perilous. Who would steal? Who would steal something out of a church parking lot? Uh, I don't know, man. I, man, I did that when I was a kid. Have you ever stole anything from a, a church parking lot? When I was a kid, lost, lost. I stole gas out of a preacher's car, man. <laughs> that was terrible. That was, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not funny, man. I mean, it's just, I was a reprobate. Uh, and then the Lord had mercy on me and saved my soul, man. I mean, what a blessing. I got saved. You know, I go back. I went back to try to pay that guy back, and the, the church isn't there no more. I mean, the Lord said, that's one of them sins unto death. You're going to have to live with that the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, man. You know, and, and you know what you do when you get stuff like that in your life? You start having mercy on other people. You start realizing, hey, some of them aren't just as good as, as you were. If you're really honest with yourself, you were, if you didn't do it, you thought it. Uh, that's just as bad. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You talking about that today, oh, all you have to do is watch, watch anything. Uh, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers. And you know what these people are? They're people that have not abstained from all appearances. They don't care about nobody else but themselves. You know what's wrong with our world today? People only care about themselves. Me, I heard preachers say, me and my four and no more. That's insane. Uh, you know what? If you ever want to serve Jesus Christ, you're going to have to get, read through my Bible today, come across Matthew, and in Matthew, he feeds 5,000 plus women and children. And the next chapter over, a bunch of people there again, and they say they're hungry. What are we going to do? You would think they would say exactly what you just did. We got some loaves here, seven loaves and some fishes. Can you do what you did earlier? Can we send them into town? They, oh, oh. And the Lord says, sit them down. You know, sometimes we just do not realize that we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. And I know that he is with me, whatever men may say. I don't care what anybody says. I know that he can do what he says. He says, Mike, abstain from all appearance of evil. There's a reason why. I'm going to get to that at the very end of this thing. There's a purpose behind his whole his plan here. I like his plan. Uh, I don't always agree with his plan, but I tell you what, it's it's a great plan. He sat there and told told them. He goes, in the last time, it's going to be terrible. In the last time, people aren't going to care. But that doesn't mean we have to be that way. We don't have to. I don't have to be like that. I can still. People say, well, you're crazy for doing it. I don't think I'm crazy for doing it. 
I don't think at all, man. I think, I think one thing, one of these days the Lord's going to come back. He's going to give me something and it's just going to change my life. Abstain from all appearances of evil. Have you ever looked at this? That's a strange verse, man. Abstain to choose. To choose not to do or have something. To refrain deliberately. That's a choice. I'm making a choice. I'm choosing what I want to do or what I don't want to do. And often with an effort of self-denial from an action or practice. Appearance. The way that someone or somebody looks or perceives something. So when you start doing something and you go somewhere and you think you're out there by yourself and nobody's watching, there's somebody watching, and is what you're doing what Jesus would do? Is Jesus sitting, would you have Jesus sit right there next to you? And evil, morally wrong, causing harm or injury to somebody. Well, so when he says abstain from all appearances of evil, he's talking to us as a body of believers. He says, guys, you have to do this. It isn't that you have to do it. Oh, rats, man, I can't go out and do what I want to do. <laughs> now it has nothing to do with it. Is the cause of Christ more important to you than you getting what you want or I'm getting what I want? Is the cause of Christ more important? Do, is my relationship with him more important than the things and the stuff of this world? That's really what it boils down to. Do you know that when people see you, you know how many times I'm so sick of, well, so-and-so's got this and so-and-so's, you go into the world, that's all you hear. Well, they got this. Why can't I have that? Sure, you can have it. Go get a job, man. You can get whatever you want. The question is, do you need that? And does it aid the cause of Christ? Is it really that invaluable to have? I got to have that. I got to have that. I got to have that. Uh, I found out almost everything I ever had cost me more than what I wanted to pay. I've never seen too many people ever get, get anything that in, the, in time they don't regret getting it. Uh, I still like the thought of a mountainside out there somewhere, but the Lord ain't going to let me go there. I already know that. Abstain from all appearance of it. That's one of the most changed verses in your Bible. People hate that verse. Abstain from, here you go, ASV. Abstain from every form of evil. No, that's not what it said. Appearance of evil. That means if it even looks that way, abstain from it. Don't just, don't just say, hey, oh, no, this is, no, 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 no. They want to change it because they want to say it has to be evil. No, it doesn't have to be evil. It just has to be that somebody perceives that it's evil. And when they look at me and they say, hey, man, I've done some things in my life I wish I could go back and change. I can't. I wish I could. I can't. Uh, you know, your flesh is just, like, terrible. <laughs> it always wants, man. And if you, I don't care who you are, you let it get the best of you, and it'll tear you up. You say, oh, mine, I'm, I can handle it. Right. Yeah, that's right. That's why all these people change the Bible. Abstain from uh, ES, the ESV and the NIV both say this. Abstain from every form of evil. Uh, separate yourself from the appearance of evil. Abstain from all appearance of evil. That's the KJV. The KJV is the only one that's got that thing, man. He says abstain from it. Abstain from appearance of evil. Uh, refrain from every kind of evil. No, it says abstain from, abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, reject every kind of evil. Abstain. These are all, these are all modern versions. Uh, keep away from everything that, that even looks like sin. That's the New Living Version. That's right there where we need to be. Uh, stay away from uh, every kind of evil. Abstain from every form of evil. That's in NRSV. And the RSV says abstain from every form of evil. No, this is abstain from all appearance of evil. Uh, you know what's wrong with our churches? People see us and they don't like it. I, I heard a, uh, uh, an illustration or a testimony where 
I think Dr. Rutman said it. I'm not sure, but he could have. I think it was him. And he said basically that a, a, a man seen a, a preacher, he come into church, got saved, old old man, 81 years old, 82, 3, 4, something like that, and got saved. And, and Doc asked him why he didn't get saved before. And he goes, because uh, when I was a young man, a preacher told me a bad joke, dirty joke. And he said, I hadn't been in church since. He said, why are you here tonight? And he goes, because I heard that there's a guy down here who draws and was in the military. And he said, I just want to see, hear you draw. I didn't want to see a preacher. And, and Dr. Rowling said, did you get saved? He goes, yes, I did. <laughs> he goes, why? Because he, he, he drew that picture of an old man, a baby, going through the stages until he becomes an old man. And uh, the guy said, that's me. You know what? A preacher kept that guy out of church. And you say, well, the guy's fault. No. What it was is somebody did something that caused somebody else to go astray. And when the Lord tells us not to do that, you know why? He's doing that for a reason. Because somebody had to go do that for me. I know that there's a lot of people out there who did that for me. I'm, there's a lot of people out there who weren't the greatest in the world. But there were some people out there who got my attention. Enough so that I would say, I want to be like them. I want to be like I want what they have. I want what they have. My brother looked at me in 1984. I was sitting across the table looking at me, and I, I'm just a mess. And thank God that I was in the Navy and that I was away from my family, and they only see me in little spurts when I came home. And he goes, Mike, he goes, I always wanted what you had. Now, I got saved in 1980. This is 1984. I'm sitting there looking at my brother across the table, and I'm, feeling, I'm just shot, man. I feel like the world's just fell apart for me. And he goes, Mike, I always wanted what you had. And I said, what was that, Danny? And he goes, Jesus. I got saved. Biggest smile on his face that you ever seen. And the Lord just said, see, your life means something. People's watching you, and what you do matters. Amen. You say, oh, no, it don't matter. Oh, yes, it does. I was sitting there uh, several years later, and my older sister hated her guts, man, Linda. I don't know if I still hate her or not. I have to think about that. We hated each other growing up. She threw me through windows and stuff. I mean, she's a mean sister. If you ever had a mean sister, I had one. Her name was Linda. And uh, I drove from Norfolk, Virginia to Louisville, Kentucky to see my mom. And my sister lived another hour and a half further out. And I didn't want to go see her. I didn't like her. I uh, didn't want nothing to do with her. My mom kept badgering, 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 badgering. And finally, she got me guilty uh, under conviction. Uh, she shamed me. And I said, okay, I'll go out and see my sister. I'll go see her. But I, I'm just going to go in, say hi, bye, and I'm going to head back to Norfolk. I got 12 hours to go now. It's going to be another hour and a half this way and 13 and a half that way. And I said, man, it's going to be two days before I get home. So I go out there and when I get there, she was sitting there and she said, Hey, Mickey. I said, yeah. She goes, I've been praying all day that you'd come out here and talk to me. Now, brethren, I'm telling you what, you never understand what God's doing until you, you watch what he does. And I'm sitting there going, what? I'm looking at her and say, what? She goes, so I spend the next four hours and it just flew by telling her about Jesus Christ. And her husband was there and her kids were there. And nobody got saved. Uh, she passed away shortly thereafter they all got saved, didn't have no idea about it, and then I found out how she got saved. And I'm sitting there going, you know what that is? God says, they're watching you, and they knew what you were before, and they know what you are now, and you're not what you are now. What was the difference? I started abstaining from some stuff. And I started getting some stuff. I watched the Lord started taking stuff out of my life and putting other stuff in, but he corrected some things in my life and made me go through the correction process. It had to be corrected. So nobody can point their finger from there on back. The Bible says, abstain from all appearances of evil. Why would I do that? Take your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians. Because the Lord, number one, said to do it. Paul said do it. People say, well, that Paul said that. No, 
The Holy Spirit told Paul what to write. As far as I'm concerned, that's the handwriting of Jesus Christ. That is like many, many tekel you farsen in the Old Testament. As far as I'm concerned, everything I read in the New Testament is right there, man. I, I may not like what I read, but it's still the Word of God. I, I'm not going to be. I am not going to be like Satan. Yea, hath God said, let me change the Word of God. No, I'm going to leave it just like it is. You say, how do you know King James Bible is the Word of God? God showed me it's the Word of God. I've got three years of Greek and Hebrew. I don't need it. I don't want it. I wish I never took it. Uh, I had to take it to get the degree. But I, I'm telling you, it was just three years of this. Uh, drill coming down. Uh, every time I read Psalm 119, I, I hate it, man, because it's got heft. Hey, all the, it's got the Greek alphabet or the Hebrew alphabet there, and you've got to go back to it again. Brethren, you don't need that. You know what you got? You got the word of God sitting right in front of you. And all you have to do is believe the thing. Just leave it alone. Believe it. You say, I can't do it. Yeah, you can. First Corinthians. First Corinthians 8. I'll try to bust through this thing real quick. I doubt it'll happen, but I can still stop any time. I might not do that either. Brethren, you got, man, we got a God. We don't have to worry about this world. These, this, you hear these people out there, they're out going crazy. They're scared of everything. Have you ever thought about President Biden? This has nothing to do with politics. But everybody looks at President Biden like he's, he's God. And he's got 8 billion people on this planet, and all 8, 8 billion of them want something different. And I listen to the other talk show heads that every now and then that c condemn them, and, and they say the exact same thing. And they have no answers either because when they had the party, they didn't solve the problems either. Uh, how in the world are you going to make 8 billion people happy? Uh, you can't do it. There's only one person could ever do that, and that's Jesus Christ. And we said it. <laughs> I don't even have to worry. Everybody says, well, what about that? I don't care about that. You know what the Lord cares about is you. You, 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 nobody else, just you. You say, well, how about the person sitting? He don't care about the person sitting next to you. He cares about you. Now, in that person next to you and mine, he cares about them. But you know what he cares about is them by himself and them by themselves. He don't care about you two together and you looking at them and them looking at you and you saying, oh, but they get away with this, so I should be. No, that's not true. Well, if everybody would abstain from all appearances of evil, we'd have a pretty good church. We'd glow. You wouldn't have to invite people. They'd just roll in this place, man. Why? Because they'd see something we don't have. 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Corinthians 8, 10. You say, why? It's simple. For if any man see... Now, here's some, here's some reasons why, some, some things that he's showing you. Paul's talking again. For if any man see that... Uh, see thee, which hast knowledge, sit at meat in an idol's temple. Shall, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And, though, and through my, thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish? Have you ever thought about that what you do matters? If, I'm, if I got a verse in the Bible, man, I'm starting to read my Bible and the thing's in here shows me something. And I got liberty. I can do whatever I want. I can eat whatever I want. Uh, I had a young lady come up the other day and ask me. She goes, can I still eat a rare, medium rare steak? Well, in the Old Testament, you're not supposed to eat blood. Yeah, but I'm not under the Old Testament. I'm in the New Testament. And I might have told her wrong because I said, yeah, I'd eat it. I said, I don't know if I'd jump out on a cow this morning and start eating that cow. Uh, I've got some, I know some guys who'd go out hunting deer and the first deer they get of the season, for some reason they'd slit its throat and get the blood and drink the blood and I guess that makes you a man. I think, well, I think you're ignorant myself. I mean, I have no idea what's in that blood and I definitely don't want that in me. Uh, so, I, I'm, and number two, I don't like to taste the blood anyways. 
but I think if you fry it and you get a little hot, you change its molecular structure and you can eat it. But you know what? If I bothered somebody, if somebody came up and said, hey, I, I think I just quit eating it. It's just not worth it. I, it's, just, it's not worth hurting somebody else for something I enjoy doing. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to look and say, he says, abstain from all appearances of evil. If somebody perceives it as being evil, they, they may be totally wrong in what they think. It doesn't matter. If what I do hinders them from finding Jesus Christ, then I put a stumbling block in front of them. He goes on and he says, but when ye, he says, but when ye sin so against the brethren and when their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Brother, our sin become, then starts moving off of the, the people around us. You know, the Lord tries to teach us is if you want to get closer to me, uh, you're going to have to change some things in your thinking. Your mindset has to think because you're going to have to get more like Paul did on the road to Damascus. Paul met Jesus Christ face to face. We never had that privilege, but I, boy, I meet him face to face in this book sometimes as I'm reading through here and he shows me some things and he goes, Mike, you got to let go of this and you got to let go of that and you got to let go of this. And it really has nothing to do with anybody else. It has to do with me. And, and sometimes you think that he's just picking on you. He's really not picking on you. He's trying to make you more like him so that once he gets you like him, he can show you off to everybody else and they will get something from you. Do you ever want to be a picture of Jesus Christ? Well, I, there is nothing on this planet I would rather be more than a, and the image. If I could be the image of Jesus Christ on this planet, when they look at me, they, they didn't see Mike Elliott. They seen, seen Jesus Christ. You know why I love Dr. Ruttman? I watch that old guy. I know all kinds of people. They got issues. When they come up, they'll say, oh, this, this, and he eats chicken bones. <laughs> he sucks the marrow out of chicken bones and then eats the chicken bone. Is that what you saw? I seen an old man who loved Jesus Christ and just started crying every time he started talking about him. I, I seen a man who would draw a picture sitting up here, and to this day I can see the pictures and I can't see him. You know why? Because I see the picture up here and he's talking about this guy right here and he's talking about that guy right here and it's getting right to Jesus Christ and he, he steps out of the way and he says, that's who you need and that's who you start caring about. You know what's wrong with most of us? We say, well, I've got to have this and I've got to have that. And I can do whatever. Yeah, we can. We can do whatever we want. Verse 13, wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh. I'm going to have a hard time becoming a vegetarian. But if that's what it takes to help somebody, I think I would do it. If I thought that's what it would. Lest I make my brother to offend. Go to Romans 14, 4, 13. Romans 14, 13. This is a great book. All these passages Paul wrote, every single one of them was his. Genesis, I like, I like uh, Cain. Cain, the Lord come down and was talking to Cain. I'm, I'm just so amazed with my Bible the more I read it. As people, the Lord comes down and talks to people and, and deals with them. And they try to reason with the Lord like they're right. And they're not, Cain goes, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, yeah, Cain, you are. What'd you do to him? Oh, I didn't do oh, no, no, no. You know, I am my brother's keeper. Why, why would you want to be a pastor of a church? Why would you want to be a bishop? If you don't care about your brethren or the people that God puts you in charge of or around to help, why would you? It's not to put you under my thumb. I have no desire to put anybody on my thumb. As a matter of fact, I'd rather go be sitting on the side of a mountain like Abraham. I got the examples in the Bible. The Lord says, no, you, that you can't get a church on the side of a mountain unless you go to West Virginia. It don't work. You say, you got to go where the people are. 
an old preacher friend of mine one time said, it's location, location, location. You go put a church. I've seen people put churches in the weirdest places, and nobody comes. And they don't understand why. Well, you're 500 miles from like anywhere. And the closest house is like Daniel Boone, a million miles away. And they're just not going to come to church. And you sit there and say, he said, you've got to have a place where the church, and we drove by this thing several times, and I'm like, man, this is, this is a good spot. It's like right where it needs to be. It just isn't what it needs to be. It needs a little loving, tender care. And it got that stuff, and the Lord says, do it. But you're not supposed to cause your brother, brother to stumble. Uh, 4.13. 14.13. says, let us not therefore judge one another. Boy, but do we do that. Let us not judge one another. I don't care what anybody else does. You know what the Lord cares is what I'm going to do. Let us, let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. The question is, is what's the stumbling block? Brothers, sometimes it's the things we do. If we don't stop and think, what am I doing? Is this thing bringing glory to Jesus Christ? Uh, what you do in your house is one thing, but what you do out on the streets is a totally different thing. And I, so what we ought to do, maybe I, maybe I ought to just mirror my life in my house on the streets or just what I'm supposed to be on the streets, do that in my home. Maybe that's what I ought to do. He goes on, he goes 14, uh, 14, 13, four, uh, he says, I know that I am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. I can pretty much do anything I want, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved, with thy sin. Now I'm talking about abstaining from all appearances of evil, thy meat. Now walkest thou not charitably? Destroy not him uh, with thy meat for whom Christ died. Let, let not then your good be evil spoken of. That's a, that's a rough verse there. So I'm supposed to sit there and say, well, I can do whatever I want, but, but should you do that? Have you ever had a baby Christian come up and say you shouldn't do that? Or why are you doing, you know, the, the strange thing is watch a little kid come up, a little bitty kid come up and say, why are you doing that? Is that right or wrong? To them, all they know is right and wrong, little things. They see black and white. They don't see all the, well, you know, oh man, but when you grow up, it'll be totally different. Well, no, maybe we ought to go back to what they think and be, be out of trouble. Take your Bibles, go to, uh, 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 uh. man, oh man, I already read that. I've read that. 14, 13, and I remember, yes, Cain, I could not believe when Cain said that, am I my brother's keeper? He's already done something to Jesus Christ. He's already done something to Abel, his brother, and the Lord comes down, tries to straighten him out, and Cain just didn't want it. If you're going to err, why don't you just err on the side of the Lord? Have you ever thought about that? Just err on his side. Uh, I made that decision a long time ago. When it comes to the Bible, I don't have to understand everything. I really care less about understanding everything. Uh, the amount of time and the brains that you got to have to understand everything, I don't have, so I don't have to worry about that. But I can believe that the King James Bible is the Word of God, and just because I don't understand it, I can still believe it's the Word of God. And I can still believe that maybe God, I think we were sitting there the other day and uh, was eating dinner. We went up to see Brother Reagan, and, and Brother Wheeler was up there, and, and we went out at nighttime and got, got something after the service and was just sitting there talking. Brother Wheeler said, boy, aren't you glad we got to be around a bunch of the preachers out there that we've been around in our life? And I said, yeah, man, I sure am, because I got to learn a lot of stuff from them guys. There's a lot of stuff that each and every one of them, you know, some of those guys were isolated. Dr. Robin was an isolated kind of a man. Uh, you couldn't get him to pretty much talk to you about anything. Uh, you, every now and then you could, and he would open up. But most of the time, I mean, he was, 
He was very, he, as soon as he finished teaching, he was gone. I had to chase him down one time to get him to talk to me. And he didn't want to talk to me at all about what I, and I was serious. I was like, I didn't want to get in trouble. And I had to chase him all the way over to the other building. Got, almost got to the other building. And I said, Doc, I just don't want to mess up. And as soon as I said that, he said, brother, I'll, I'll turn around and say, if I was you, I wouldn't do that. Fine, I'm done. It was perception. All it was was perception. And I said, and I don't want to do anything that's going to be perceived to be wrong. I said, I put myself in this church under you, and if you tell me don't, I'm not going to. And I turned around and walked away, and he goes, brother, brother, come back here, brother. He goes, you know why I told you? I said, don't care. I can care less why you told me no. You said no, and that's good enough for me. And he goes, okay, let me tell you. And so he starts telling me. And when he got done, I'm sitting there going, that's a bit of wisdom. You didn't get in the classroom up there. You couldn't pay for what he told me on that, in, on that dark little area, just me and him all by myself. Never left my head. He goes, most people already made up their mind what they're going to do, and they don't care. I take those other three guys up there. You know what it was? I would look like the one who did the thing. It was a camp meeting, but it's a questionable camp meeting. Should I be the one? No, I'm not going to be part of that. And sometimes you just, you know, sometimes you just got to walk away from what you're doing. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I learned that in the Navy a couple times. I just had to get them walking away. I couldn't do it. Chief's mess. I'm a chief. Every time they had a meeting, it was down the chief's, court, chief's mess on the base where they had alcohol and all that. I didn't want to go. I'd go in. You couldn't drink a Coke. You couldn't drink a 7-Up. You couldn't drink water because it looked like alcohol. All you do is sit there for the whole time, just put up with what they did, and then when it was over, get up and walk out. You had to abstain. They, they had to know. Uh, they said, oh, well, you got, you got this and this and this, and you got to have a beer booth at the, at the Navy picnic. No, I don't. Yes, you. No, I don't. You're a chief, and you got to have two booths. One of them's going to be hamburgers. One of them's going to be beer. No, it ain't. Why? Because I'm going to abstain from all appearances of evil. You're not going to make me do that. Boy, I tell you what, it turned out to be a nasty thing after a while. Why? Because people all of a sudden walk up, and they see you with a beer or in a beer booth. What does that look like? How about sitting at a bar? Bars don't look good either. I can't say what we did the other day, but that. <laughs> the bar is nothing. It's the, the impression that it gives other people. That's all it is. That's all it is. Who cares? There was no pictures taken, so who, nobody will ever know. <laughs> we all made sure we had a pact, unless somebody came in and snuck some pictures out. <laughs> One of the most, it, this is, it is, it's one of the, abstain, go back to 1 Corinthians, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's the most changed verse in your Bible. Abstain, abstain from all appearances of evil. Uh, brother, I'm telling you what, I, I found that it's easy to do. How, how we live matters, it really does. I read over in Timothy, a bishop can live one way, but he's not supposed to live that way because he's a bishop, because he, he's, at, he's moved to, the Lord's moved him up here, and he's an example to the flock. You know, the bishop has to give up quite a bit of stuff, but really in the end of the thing, you're not giving up anything. Deacons have to give up something. You know, laziness is a bad example. We shouldn't be lazy. I mean, brethren, you ought to, every single man in this room ought to be figuring out how he's going to make a living and take care of his family. You want a family? You ought to take care of it. Guess what? You are the one responsible, not your wife. You are the one responsible for taking care of your family. You are. You say, oh, well, that's, no. You know what that is? That's a good example. You want your wife to love you? I've heard people say, I'm the man in my house, and, I'm a, and they don't work. <laughs> your wife works, takes care of you. I think she's the woman of the house. And, you, and uh, What is that? That's a bad example. I didn't say you had to make a million bucks. 
I've seen men that have went out and worked. My dad was a great dad. I mean, he was, had alcohol problems, serious alcohol problems, but he worked 24-7. He was up at old dark 30, and he didn't come home to old dark 30. And he worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. You say, well, he was drunk. No, I was in houses where I was working, and the, the, the inspectors in Louisville, Kentucky, would come out there, and they'd walk up to the gas tank, gas lines, and that's where they had the inspection stickers, and they'd pull the inspection sticker up, and they'd say, plumber, Frank Elliott. They'd drop it and go get in their car and drive off. I went out to one day and said, whoa, 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 why do you do that? I said, don't, aren't you supposed to come in like look at everything in the house? Don't have to. I said, why? Because your dad's name's on that ticket. I've worked with your dad long enough to know that your dad's one of the best plumbers in this city, and he can, when, if his name's on that ticket, I don't have to walk in and look at that thing. You know what that was? My dad wasn't a lazy man. I'm still to this day, I said, he had some other issues, some bad ones, but boy, I tell you what, there's a couple of them that he had that rubbed off on me that I'm glad they did. You know who taught me how to work? My dad did. I watched my dad fire me, hire me, fire me, hire me, fire me, hire me, fire me, hire me, fire me, hire me. And you know what he did? He made me work. He said, you ain't going to get out of work. If I got to feed you, you're going to work. So he'd get me up every morning, made me go to work. You say, what is all that? I wasn't lazy. Faithfulness. You know what the Lord's looking for is faithfulness. You know what's wrong with most of us today? Because you don't get what you think you ought to get. You want to quit. I've got everything that I ever wanted, and I still want to quit. So you know what that means? Quitting's natural. What you got to do is say, I'm not going to quit. Lord says, keep going. I don't want to go. Keep going. Why? Because you never know who that next person is. I watched my sister-in-law come to my house tonight, and she got sick a long, long time ago. And I was down in the hospital. The doctors already said she was going to die. She was gone. She had art setting up in her lungs. It was clogging up. It was getting hard in her lungs. She was done. And I looked in her room, and I, there's a glass, and I was just sitting there with my head up against that thing, just bawling my eyeballs out. And I'm like, Lord, why me? Why her? I mean, you, this, you should be doing this to me, not her. I'm the wicked one out here. And, and she's been a good lady her whole life. And look at her in there. She's in there. And I'm bawling and crying and bawling and crying and bawling. The next day, I'm not saying I had anything to do with it, but the next day, all of a sudden, the doctor said, whoa, a miracle happened. She's coming out of this thing. Well, in the process, she used to play piano at church all the time. She lost her hands. And she lost part of her feet. And she's been battling with that thing for how many years? 24 years. You know, every time I see her, she got a smile on her face. She came to my house tonight, and she was just tore up. Uh, one of her eyes is, is she just lost sight in her eye, just went blind. And it wasn't enough that all the other stuff happened to her. Now this has happened to her. And she's just trying to grasp straws. She said, she said, Mike, would you pray for me? I said, oh, yeah, man. I said, this is, this is a good place right here. Because I already probably figured out she's in the throne room of God. And if she wants me to pray for her, that's just going to kind of put me in there with her. <laughs> you say, why would you do that? Because that's where she's at. You know, sometimes you, just, you get tired, man. You know what? I still think of Angie the same way. She's always got a smile on her face, and she's always trying to serve God the best she can. She did what she could do, man. She did what she could do. Faithful. Faithful. All the stuff. She said she was, uh, when she was out of it, about ready to die, she said she was actually in the throne room with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if that's true or not, but I ain't going to argue with her. And she said, uh, it was, the Lord asked her, said, Angie, do you want to come or do you want to stay? go back? She goes, I want to go back. Why? Well, she had a little boy, Johnny, and she wanted to raise her little son. And the next thing you know, boom, she comes out of the thing. You say, what is that? I think that's the Lord honoring her. She, you know what she is? She's faithful. She's a faithful mother. He said, abstain, 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 man. And I read that, that verse there a second ago, and I want to, um, abstain is to choose not to do or to have something, to refrain deliberately. 
I can do whatever I want, but it's, it's a choice that if I let something go, people say, why do you not do all these other things? I remember we went to, uh, oh, man, if you talk about anything, you get in trouble. Uh, I went, <laughs> because then people say, look, you're now you're touching, you're meddling, you're meddling. I went someplace some, one time with, with somebody, with a group of people, and somebody else went with that thing and said, did you see all the people around here? Should Christians be here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's right. We shouldn't really be here. It's fun, but should we be here? But it's fun, but should we be here? No, we shouldn't. No, we shouldn't. And I hadn't been back since. You say, why is that? Well, because I needed to somebody come up and say, hey, you need to abstain. And it was just an innocent thing. It wasn't somebody saying, you wicked devil. No, I, it was something the Lord was dealing with me about. I'm like, no, nah, this is right. You're right. Abstain. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Abstain. Abstain. Brother, this is, I want a prayer life. I really do. But I really, really want a prayer life. And if I really want a prayer life, it's going to cost me to get that prayer life. 1 Thessalonians, or 1 Corinthians 10. And the closer I get to him, the more he's going to... Moses, after a while, come out of the tabernacle glowing. And everybody knew that he was with God. Why? Because he was glowing. But what did it take to make him glow? You know, Moses never realized he was glowing. Moses just was around the Lord. And the closer he got, the more he started to glow. And he glowed and he glowed and he glowed. And pretty soon he looked like a, 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 what is that, the Ever Ready Bunny? Just glowing all over the place. And they said, put a bag over your head. Why? Because we can't look at you anymore. But would it get to be great when somebody walked, they couldn't look at you because you look too much like Jesus? That would be a blessing. For, oh, yeah, okay. I guess I'm losing some people right now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Wherefore, uh, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense neither to the Jew nor to the Gentile nor to the church of God. Don't offend anybody. Man, that's a hard thing to do, man. That's one of the verses where you want to black it out. <laughs> it is. It's tough. Even as I please all men. You ever look at Paul's life? Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Paul was looking at their salvation more than anything else. Now, it's 756. I got a whole bunch of stuff, I, uh, more stuff I could go to. But take your Bibles. You say, I'm, I'm going to abstain from all appearance. Anything that can even be perceived by somebody else, that it's evil. And evil is morally wrong or just they perceive it. It's not to even say they're right. But if, if it's going to hinder them, the best thing to do is sometimes back away from the thing and not hinder them until they can grow to a place you ever seen a baby grow? I've watched Christians grow. It sometimes takes years for them to grow. Uh, I just think, take your Bibles. Let's look at one verse. First, first Peter. I'll shut up right here. First Peter 5. Four. First Peter 5. Why would I do this? Because I'm greedy. That's why. First Peter 5. 1. He writes this to the elders. But brethren, I believe this could really apply to anybody. An elder is somebody in the church, a pillar Somebody who cares. The elders which are among you, so there's more than one, which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not 
by constraint. Don't do it because you're forced to do it. Not, uh, but willingly, not for filthy lucre's sake, not for money, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, not, but being examples. How are you going to be an example? You're going to start having to look at your own life and say, I need to let this thing go and I need to let that thing go. And you can't be looking at somebody else. Brother, you can't look. I try my best to do the best thing, but I'm going to mess up too. You can't necessarily always just look at Mike and say, well, Mike does it. No, that don't make it right. Maybe Mike don't need to be doing that either. What you got to do is say, Lord, is this thing right? Is this what you want? He goes right here and says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. You know why most people have problem witnessing to somebody? Is that they're not the example they need to be. They're not the testimony. They, my testimony means more than anything else. And when, now why would I do all this? Right here, verse 4 is it. And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus Christ, by the way, shall appear, and he's going to one of these days, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. He said, Mike, yours is not going to be on this side. It's going to be on the other side. And he goes, you can experience some things on this side, and you can have fun on this side, and you can have some joy on this side. Have you ever sung a song, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop? I, I, every time I sing that song, I'm like, Lord, I need to sell my house and go buy like a little mini house or something. I said, because I feel like I've got a mansion sitting over on, on Grange Hall Road. And I built it, but a lot of people don't realize I built it. A lot of people don't realize what I went through to build that place and, and what I had to do and all the different things you had to finagle back and forth to get the money to do that stuff. Uh, you never sit in bankers' offices when they said, I am not going to give you a dime and you can't build that house because you don't have no money and you have no way of paying for it and you don't have a job that can pay for that house. That thing was given to me by God, but most people don't realize that. But I look at that thing and I'm like, every time I, I've got a mansion. Oh, no, what's that one? It's a... Uh, it's talking about down here, something about a mansion. Uh, I, I, oh, a, a cottage below. That ain't no cottage. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, uh, that's not a cottage. He goes, yeah, you're right, it ain't a cottage. He goes, but shut up, it's yours. I said, but Lord, he goes, you used it for me, didn't you? Yeah. You know what? I got to use that house. I got to use that house to build this place here. Not only me, the two other guys got to do the same thing. You know why you want to go out and get a job? I'll tell you why you want to go out and get a job. Because you never know when the Lord's going to say, put your house up on mortgage and take $65,000 along with two other guys and buy a church. You say, well, that's stupid. Well, I never intended that to ever happen. It just happened. And guess what? You're here today because three men had houses that were worth something that God could use when he needed to use it to put a church together. And now the church is all paid off and the guys all got their money back and everybody's happy and and we're singing Kumbaya and everything else and got church on Wednesday night. You say, what is that? That's God. And now the whole county, everybody drives up and down. They see a sign out there. It says something out there. Jerry will say something out there. And it'll keep, keep putting a verse up out there. And the more you put those verses out there, you ride up and down the street. You got a sentinel sitting out in front of your church 24-7 putting the word of God out. You say, what is that? Abstain from all appearances. You know what people around here? I go with all these houses out here and they all say the same thing. The only reason that church is down there is because all they wanted was money. All they wanted was money. They just didn't want us. They want money. You know what they're starting to say now? Is that church right there is trying to do something for Jesus Christ. That church right there is trying to help the community. That church right there, you know what that is? It's abstaining from all appearances of evil. That's trying to get the evil away so that we look like we're Christians. But then you want to do something for Jesus Christ? He says abstain from all appearances of evil. You say, well, you're, am I going to lose something? You're not going to lose a thing. What could you possibly lose except weight? 
not eating. What could you possibly lose but, but two or three pant sizes or dress sizes? Most of us would love that. I know I would. I'm telling you what, brother, that when we start looking at what we think we want, that's the flesh side. That's the carnal side. Then you all say, in, in eternity, am I going to have that in eternity? No. Is it really any good here right now? No, it's not. I said, Lord, the best I can do is just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. And if the Lord gives you something to use it for, I'm not telling you to go get everything and live like a pauper. I'm not saying that. I'm saying look at what we're doing and abstain from some of that stuff. Churches don't today don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear it. I don't want to, I want to just have my liberty and I want to be able to do whatever I want, however I want to do it, and I don't care. But I tell you what, you guys in here mean more to me than just about anything on this planet. You know why? Because you're here. You want to be here. Well, some of you want to be here. Some of you are forced to be here. But you'll eventually get, get along. You'll like us after a while. But you, you know what it is? I like being around people who want to be around Jesus. And I like to watch people. I like Dr. Peacock. You know why I like Dr. Peacock? I think he's really trying to do something for Jesus Christ. And I think he's trying to live a clean life and a holy I think Dr. Rubin did the same thing. I think Dr. Carl Lackey did the same thing. You know, there's a lot of men out there when you watch them and you start looking at them after a while. I think they're, they, they're actually trying to do something for Jesus Christ. And as they move up, they know that they're in the limelight. And the more they're in the limelight, the more they got to be watched and the more they got to watch themselves. You know what a good wife does? She keeps you out of trouble. You know what my, my wife keeps? She keeps popping my bubble, man. And you say, why would you do that? God gave me somebody to keep me humble and make me realize that, hey, your job is more than to be this great Billy Graham pastor. Have you ever thought that maybe your job is, number one, be an example to the flock? Be an example to those around you? And let a couple things go. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Lord, we got a wedding getting ready to come up here. and Lord, this is a picture of you. Uh, Saturday, Lord, a young couple in our church here is going to get married. And Lord, right here at this pulpit, right here in this area, right here, they're going to uh, give their vows. And Lord, they're going to, uh, to each other, and Lord, they're going to start a life, Lord, that is a picture of, of the church and, and, and you and what you've done for us, Lord. Uh, it's a picture of the, your bride and you. Uh, Lord, I just pray now that uh, we, as this comes up this week, that we look at that. And Lord, that we never forget it. And, Lord, that's what you did for us. And, Lord, one of these days you're going to come and get your bride and take us out of here. Lord, help us to be the, the bride that's adorned that would please you when you come back. Uh, Paul's sitting here. He says, if you want to pray, pray without ceasing. Lord, he, all the way through here, Lord, rejoice evermore and abstain from all appearances of evil. Lord, uh, rejoicing, abstaining, praying is all wrapped up into one neat package. And, Lord, uh, every bit of that stuff draws us a little bit closer to you. Help us to get closer and closer and closer as the time draws. Uh, near, Lord, and Lord, that we let go of some of the things in this world that's hindering us. And Father, we'll praise you, Nani, in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.